This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. It's the 44th edition of Play-By-Play Cast. Thanks, as always, for clicking subscribe or download. This is the podcast for Play-By-Play Broadcasters about Play-By-Play Broadcasters, hosted by a Play-By-Play Broadcaster. My name is Joel Godad. I'm the television and radio voice of the Ball State University Cardinals in Muncie, Indiana. Spring football game coming up on Saturday, tomorrow. If I make it through this weekend, we will have another podcast next week. A lot of stuff going on in Muncie this weekend. Spring football is uh, tomorrow as this podcast is being released on Friday morning. We're hosting a golf tournament. There's also baseball and softball and tennis senior day today as well, today being Friday. Uh, Then tomorrow, we've got a track event. That golf tournament continues. Baseball and softball are home again. Men's volleyball is hosting a first-round conference tournament game and, and then the spring football game on top of that. When you do... Play-by-play, but also video and multimedia. Days like this are a lot of fun. <laughs> so so hopefully we'll have a podcast next week if I do make it that far. But uh, thanks, as always, again, for hitting download or subscribe and joining us here again. Mike Corey is our guest. He is the ESPN and NBC Sports and Westwood One play-by-play announcer. And we'll get into Mike here in just a second, but quickly, the housekeeping notes. As always, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at PXPCast or at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T. You can email me as well, jgodet at bsu.edu if you want to find me uh, via email as well. A couple of guys reached out to me this week via email. Good to pick your brains and uh, good to talk a little bit of shop as well. So if you want to drop a line, feel free to go ahead and do that. And if you listen to the podcast... Uh, give us a shout on Twitter. If you liked it, give us a shout. If you have questions for upcoming guests, uh, and we'll kind of leave that ambiguous right now because I don't have any names to throw at you, but if there are general topics you want covered or things you're curious about uh, that you want to hear about from different people, uh, let us know. Give us a a shout on Twitter uh, and let us know uh, that you're listening, where you're listening from, uh, all those uh, different things. Again, at PXPCast or at Joel Godet. All right, Mike Corey joined ESPN full-time in 2011. And Mike's career path is interesting, particularly to a guy like me, because I look at a guy like Mike and see myself with where I'm at in my career. Mike graduated from college, University of Massachusetts, and through an interesting series of events that we'll get into here, wound up as the voice of the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. He did football and men's basketball for Delaware for 13 years and went from being the voice of a Division I football and college basketball team to being in network television. And, you know, kind of took some steps and some turns along the way that helped set him up for that. But he made that jump from being a D1 voice into network television. Uh, he's done the Olympics as well for NBC. He did a handful of different things 
uh, before he joined ESPN full time. That led up to that as well. Uh, he's done the Olympics on radio for Westwood One. So a lot of different interesting uh, crevices to Mike's career that we'll get into. Uh, we'll talk about calling speed skating on radio, how you do that. Uh, we'll talk about calling field hockey in the Olympics on television, how you do that. We'll talk about uh, the ways that Mike was persistent. We always talk in, the, in, in this business, or we, people always talk in this business about finding that line between persistent and a pest. And Mike talks really well about where that line was for him and how he used it to his advantage to be persistent and to get uh, himself into the job market, really, uh, from the get-go. So we'll get into all of that stuff here with Mike Corey. Where we start, though, is right off the top. Uh, being a Division One college voice, how do you transition into network television? That was my first question off the bat. For our guest on episode 44 of Play by Playcast, this is Mike Corey. Yeah, I mean, I, I finished, uh, I graduated school, and then I, I was, uh, well, before that, I was looking into a lot of jobs. And what I did was, at the time, I mean, this was 1999, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm probably not going to become the next voice of, like, you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes or Michigan or anything like that. So I, I just completely ruled out all those major universities. Like, I knew I wanted to kind of get in with a, a team and, and, and do radio, because that's what I was kind of doing the most of was radio. So I'm like, I want to start doing radio football, basketball, and the radio. And I also sold a little bit of ad time on our student radio station. It was underwriting. It wasn't like for, you know, profit, but it was enough to get me understanding how the sales business worked. Um, and I did a lot of other things for the station, too. So I kind of had an idea of how a lot of it was run, just to understand, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to just get a play-by-play job, you know, and that was going to be sufficient. And it was like, you're going to have to do something else. You'd have to be like, play-by-play guy and work in promotions or play by play guy and do sales or play by play guy and do something else, you know, cause that's just the way it works. So I identified the schools that I thought I had an opportunity at. And then I just started calling them and I called their sports information directors and you know, I sent emails and was just like, Hey, I didn't know if you guys maybe happen to have a position, you know, for next year, if any of your play by play guy left or anything like that. I mean, I really didn't know. I mean, it's again, we, <laughs> it's funny to say this, but like the internet wasn't even, I mean, it was just getting going. Like, we didn't even have the internet. I sound like I'm eight years old, and I'm not. But it's like the internet, it, it, we didn't have too much. You know, so you had a call. You had a maybe email, you, and you did that. And I remember calling Delaware, and because they were in the same conference with UMass at the time, the Atlantic 10 or whatever, and, you know, we, we were down there for games over the years. And I knew their sports information guy. And he actually called me back. He said, I don't know. He's like, yeah, crazy enough. He's like, we do. We, our radio stations changed hands. Um, for next year, the new station got the rights to broadcast all our games, and they are looking for a guy. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I found that out, and then I talked to my friend who was the commercial uh, radio voice of the UMass Minutemen at the time, Mark Vandermeer, who's now the uh, play-by-play voice for the Houston Texans yeah. on the radio. He's done an amazing job. He's you know one of my real good friends in the industry. And so he kind of found out who was involved at that radio station because it was owned by the same company where he worked. So he found out, he got me all the info. He's like, Hey, you got to send me stuff to this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then I just started flooding them with like, you know, tapes and demos and CDs and little attention getting items like 
um, you know, like I put like a clock with my picture on it and said like, it's my Tory time. And I set like a basketball and my name on it, like, you know, my Tory's on the ball. And I, you know, I put a bunch of losing lottery tickets and, you know, mega buck stuff on there. It said, why take your chances and gamble when you can go for the sure thing. And I put my picture on it and I did all these like things just to kind of get their attention. And I sent them every other day so that every other day these guys are getting a FedEx package or a mailing or a letter or email or a call or something from me. And I basically just sold myself over the rest of everybody else along with my tape. And, and they took a chance. They took a chance on me and I was just, I'll never, I'll always be grateful. I mean, I was 22 and I, I just graduated, um, actually 21 to be honest with you. <laughs> and I just graduated and I was like, okay. And they said, yeah you know, let's, let's do it. It was a rock station. It was new. It was young. Uh, they wanted to change the mojo a little bit. There was an older guy who was doing it before. So it just, you know, worked out and, you know, I got down there and, you know, started selling and started doing the games and it was a little, you know, I won't, I won't, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, the first year was a little rough. I mean, there are people calling in and writing emails going, who's this guy? What's the deal? Cause you know, I needed time to grow, you know? And, so once I got to know everybody there and I started meeting people and doing the radio shows and they started to see, you know, hey, this guy's a nice guy. He does a good job. He's working hard. Um, year two was much better. Uh, and then year three, I think right after that, it was just like, yeah, that's Mike, you know, and then it started to get to really be like, he's our guy, you know, and, and that was cool. So um, they kind of uh, let me grow there. And it was, uh, it was just an awesome opportunity to, to get that. So I'm very grateful for that. Obviously, that stuff, like the sending of all this stuff through the FedEx packages worked. Um, What's the balance in terms of the way you go after people of of making sure they know who you are, but not making sure they're like, oh, not this guy again, Uh, and and making sure it works uh, so that you get somebody's attention the right way? Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's what worked at the time. And that was kind of like my, uh, that was Mark uh, giving me that advice to do that. And uh, and that was that was what you did. You had to make a CD, you know, you had to send the CD. You had to, you know, you know we're, we're MP3 and files over the internet. We weren't doing that, you know. So you sent CDs, you did all that kind of stuff. You sent the packages. And it was cool because there was, you're right, there's only so many times you could call and leave a message or even maybe send an email, which was just getting going again in 1999. But, yeah, things change. Now it totally changes. But you know what? Some of that stuff is still pretty cool because people don't get a lot of mail anymore. You know, they don't get a lot of uh, letters or anything like that because it's all email and electronic. So if you do send a handwritten letter or you do send something in the FedEx package, that that is actually big now because – and it was big back then. It's still big now because everybody just gets flooded on emails, you know. So I would, I would advise that too because that also kind of sets you – apart and then you don't have to do the same thing everybody else is doing or everything's on email. It's like send an email, make a call, voicemail, send a package, send a letter, uh, and then get down there and meet them face to face. I mean, that's, uh, that's the biggest thing because there's so many people and there's so many tapes and names and you hear them, but you don't really know them, you know? So that's kind of the, that's kind of the way to go about it. I mean, and you have to do it in advance. Like I try to tell people that like some of them that are just graduating, like, I didn't just start this process in May. Like I was doing this way prior and I was building these relationships and talking to these people, you know, for a while. So that when I did call the guy in Delaware, he said, Oh yeah, it's Mike Corey, the student guy at UMass. And he called me back, you know, I was like, so that's, that's kind of what you need to do. You can't wait till graduation and be like, Oh, I need a job. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Like you gotta, you gotta build yourself up and, and get, you know, in the mix ahead of time. Um, you know, that's just kind of my advice on that. But, 
yeah, so those things still work. They still apply. It just depends, um, you know, what you're doing and what you're sending. Uh, but that certainly uh, helped me. I know that. You're at Delaware for 13 years. Uh, did you think you, like, was there a point in time where you're thinking, like, I'm going to be the voice of Delaware until I'm 65? Or, or what, what's the progression of that like in terms of finding those next opportunities? And, and obviously, they came with the Olympics and then they came with ESPN. Um, but take me on the 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 mental and, and I guess personal journey of that, of, of making that next step once you get, uh, you know, a, a football and, and basketball job right out of college. Right, right. There was a time, I mean, I think I thought when I first got there that, you know, this is great, this is unbelievable that I got this this soon and this fast. I was hoping that this was going to be in five years. So, like, I was thinking right when I graduated that, you know, I would maybe get a job doing this, but at, like, a lower school or maybe, I don't know, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, like, Division two or three or something like that, a little bit, you know, not as not as established as Delaware, you know what I mean? So I thought in five years I would be able to get, like, the Delaware job, per se. But I got that right off the bat. So I was like, oh, wow, I'm kind of, you know, I'm ahead of the game. So let me, let me keep working on this, and now maybe I can get to a bigger school uh, even sooner, you know? I mean, so I started, you know, sending my tapes and stuff, even out, even, like, two or three years in, you know? I was like, there was other jobs that kept popping up. I mean, there was, like, I don't know, Iowa State and maybe Clemson or something like that, you know, those places. And I would, I'd send my stuff, you know, and I actually went out and met with a couple people one time out in Iowa State, and I'm you know, and I, I got to know them and, you know, I didn't get the job, but I was right there because they were also impressed the same way I went about the way I got this job where I just kept flooding them with stuff and I'm like, who is this guy, you know? So it was, um, it was, it was helpful, but then I got going and then, you know, I started making a little bit more money with the sales and then the games and I got, you know, pretty established there. And then I started getting a little bit of TV um, on the side with Comcast Sportsnet in the area and doing a couple of basketball games on TV you know, over the years, you know. So, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, this is good. And I was, I was doing great. I mean, we were, we were having fun and we were, you know, just every year it was like the next year, the next year. It just kept coming. It was just, it goes by so fast, as we all know. And I was like, okay. I guess I could try to go find another job, like, you know, maybe, I mean, what would that be, though? I mean, now that I'm pretty established here and I make a pretty good money, because I knew I'd have to do, like, sales again somewhere else. I knew I'd have to probably be another half and half, like, play that play and sales. I'm like, do I want to go far across the country or to some other place and start over with no client list and have to try to build that back up again, or do I want to stick with this and try to build my career in other areas like in the TV because I knew I wanted to kind of get in the TV at that point. I thought that was kind of a progression, like radio to TV. So I figured, well, I'll just keep doing this and keep uh, getting my stuff out there to other people and uh, try to get more opportunities. And that's when I got Westwood One um, in 2006. Um, and I got to do the Olympics uh, for Westwood One uh, speed skating, long and short track speed skating on the radio. And that was a guy who I was flooding my stuff to for a good two or three years. And there was just never anything available because they didn't do that many games. And there's always the big, you know, big guys doing those games. But ironically, the Olympics, where you're like, oh, my God, it's the Olympics. But there was so <laughs> many more opportunities because they needed so many more guys. They needed like 30 people over there because we needed one person at this sport, one person at that sport, one person at the studio. So that actually was my open, you know, my end to them was that being available, that there was a lot of opportunities and a lot of people that they needed. So they got me on that. And um, the year before I had gotten an agent, you know, in 2005, again, sent them my stuff and they liked it and they got me on board and they kind of helped me 
Um, with that a little bit, I was, I had that relationship going, but then I did NFL Europe uh, for a couple of years. I actually went over to Europe uh, for the first year, right after the Olympics, came back, and then like a week later, two weeks later, we went back over to Europe for um, the Olympics. We were in Torino for the uh, 06 games. And then after that, um, you know, a few more TV games here and there, and they were helping me with some stuff, and, and that's kind of how that got started. So then I realized, I guess I'm going to kind of be here for a little while, and you know, I didn't, I didn't really fight it, um, but I started to, I started to, you know, year nine, year ten, and I'm thinking like, man, am I gonna, I mean, am I gonna keep doing this? And you know, I, I talked to one of my buddies, and he's like, you know, Mike, don't look at it like, oh, it's, it's the tenth year, I should definitely be done doing this now. I need to be on something else, or it's year twelve. Like, no, he's like, when it happens, it happens, and that's when you're gonna know, or it's time to move on. And, and it was actually thirteen years later, and you know, I had gotten a gig with ESPN and it was enough to, you know, let go of the radio to do TV. So that's kind of how that works. How was the decision process to say, uh, I want to be a TV guy versus I wanted to be the football voice at XYZ FBS Power 5 institution? Yeah, I feel like I always kind of wanted to kind of move up a little bit and do that. You know, I always I grew up watching like, you know, the NBA and, you know, NFL and all those guys. And I really thought that was, that was something I'd like to do. And I'm, you know, I just want to grow and be as, you know, I guess as big as I can be, like everybody, I guess, dreams. And, you know, you think about it a little bit and, and sometimes the goals shift and change a little bit. But I knew I wanted to kind of do that. So I was working towards that and started doing a bunch of TV with Comcast. And then they got me in with ESPN. And once uh, that started to, you know, become something and they gave me enough games, uh, that's when I dropped uh, doing the radio as the voice of the Blue Hens. But I still stayed on at the radio station, actually. It sold advertising. Yeah, I saw so, I mean, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was crazy. It was a dual role again. I went from TV uh, doing that and then still selling at the radio station. That was kind of my home base um, in Delaware still. Because you just travel to wherever the game is. You know, they fly it to wherever the game is. So um, I needed that for a while because it wasn't um, – I mean, it was a decent amount. It was like 30 games or whatever on ESPN, but it wasn't enough to just leave everything. You know, when I had to get my own insurance and you know, find another <laughs> place to set up home base. And, you know, it was just, it was good for a while. And then, you know, a couple of years after that, I finally said, okay, I got to, I got to stop doing the sales if I want to become the best broadcaster I can be and, and advance my career. I've got to, I've got to just take a chance and, you know, go out and just do these games, you know, which I did. And it wasn't, you know, I'm not going to be on the street, uh, you know, but it was definitely a, a significant pay cut, which I, you know, worked long and hard to gain that, uh, you know, sales up to a certain level. But it doesn't matter. I mean, it was all about wanting to be on the air and do that. So that's that's kind of what I did with that. I want to talk about the Olympics uh, and the speed skating part of that in particular. Uh, I mean, I, I would assume you're, you're flooding, you know, Howard Denneroff with tapes and things, but uh, mm-hmm. how does... I, you're probably not sending him speed skating. Uh, no. How did it come to the point where he goes, Mike, uh, we've got an opening for speed skating. Would you like to do it? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. And, uh, and how he came on a little bit after that, well, I think he was there, but he wasn't the main guy that I was um, working with. There was a friend of mine named Chris Castleberry. He used to be there. He was just a good guy. And uh, he was the one that I was uh, – Meeting with a few times, they were in Washington D.C. I drive down there and catch up with them, and you know, I send them my stuff. And then I think he just realized, and you know, he's like, "This guy is persistent. He does a good job with what he's doing. Um, I'll have the confidence that he can, you know, take on whatever event that we give him." 
And uh, we talked about that, and we were just like, yeah, you're going to have to research, you're going to have to learn. And, you know, he sent me the old tapes from before, of who did it before. And, you know, I just I talked to a lot of people, and then I was like, yeah, all right, here we go. And, <laughs> and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't. I know he did a really good job, and, you know, I, I just I, – I, I will do that. I mean, I will, I'll be given these opportunities sometimes and go, oh, what is this? And, you know, I don't know much about it, but then you got to study it and you research it and you do it. And, uh, I mean, it's been anything from – speed skating, which then I went and did field hockey um, for NBC for the Olympics on TV. To, I've done a water polo match before. I've done rugby. Uh, I've done lacrosse a bunch. Um, what else? I mean, there's just been a bunch of stuff. MMA. I mean, when I, I remember that call a couple of years ago from NBC. They're like, uh, you know, what are you doing next weekend? I mean, literally, it was like a week and a half out or something like that. I'm like, oh, nothing. He's like, uh, we need you for this uh, MMA. Have you ever done MMA before? I'm like, no, not really. I'm not really into that. You know? He's like, yeah, I know, neither am I, but we need you. And I'm just like, okay. And I had to, I had to learn that, you know, and so, I went down there. And, so what are you doing a in a week? Like, it, yeah, I, how, how do you pick, pick that up to be confident about it in seven days? Yeah, watching old tape, and I, it's so funny. Like he was like, well, "Don't worry, we're gonna figure that do videos and stuff, and you'll get a feel for it." I'm like, but "That's the whole point. I don't want to watch this." Stuff. <laughs> you know, I just wasn't a huge fan of it, you know. But I mean, it, it's not as bad as I thought. I mean, you know, it, and it's not as horrible and, and bloody as people think. I mean, they will stop the fight, and nobody's gonna die. I mean, it just I was like, okay, I don't really know much about it. You know, I know how big the UFC is and all that. This is a different uh, division. This is the World Series of Fighting. Um, but it was it was good. I watched all the tape. I went through online, got all the terminology, uh, talked to the analyst a little bit who I was working with. And then, you know, it's a play-by-play guy. You know, you're not, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, exactly what that is or know exactly what move or hold that is. I mean, you're calling a little bit more generically in situations like that. And the analyst will take over and talk about that. Or you're making a comment or a statement or asking a question. I mean, it's, you're not on an island. So, I mean, if you're doing it by yourself, I mean, it would be tough. The speed skating, you know, that that's just kind of, I mean, if you're there and you see it, you've got this screen that shows you the times and who's doing what, and immediately when they cross the line, it tells you who's ahead and who's behind. So it's really just like, oh, there's Mike, and now he's point two five seconds behind so-and-so. He's on lap number three. And, you know, you can, you, can, you know, I think a lot of people would be able to handle it. It's just you got to. You got to get in there and you know, kind of do a little bit of research, obviously ahead of time, and watch and listen to old tape, and then you know, go from there. But um, it's it's fun, you know, it's fun, and now I'm you know, I feel like I'm pretty versatile, and I can do a lot of different things. How about the field hockey side of things? Uh, and I watched a little bit of of the uh, 16 Olympics um, this past year with the mm-hmm. I, I saw the end of the the Great Britain gold medal, um, you know, penalty shootout, I guess. Uh, right. What's what's that like for you? Because I've done a little bit of field hockey, and I've even remembered looking at my analyst and saying, what was that whistle? And she goes, I don't know. Uh, and it, they, there's so much stopping of play. Uh, how do you approach a sport like that um, and making sure that you're not speaking out of turn or setting up your analyst for something that uh, maybe doesn't go the way that you expect? I mean, kind of like the, the lawyer question. Don't ask the question you don't know the answer to. Um, What's the right approach to to a sport like that, and uh, and being able to handle that on on such a big stage? Yeah, that's you got to work with your analysts on that. We, we we communicate a lot on and off the air, like we'll work with each other. Or, you know, hand signals. We also have like a stat uh, statistician who's in the booth with us too, and we have this really cool system where we're able to like 
talk to each other while we were not on the air. So if I needed to say something to her, I could press a button and it just goes in her ear and she can hear me. Or the uh, staff person could be like, oh, that's a that's a hold or whatever. You know, into both of our ears if they caught it before we did. You know, okay. so there's a lot of people helping out. Yeah, it's a team effort. And that's exactly the way it is, by the way, in all these other sports like football, basketball, anything that you see on TV, like, you know, you watch these, um, these amazing analysts and broadcasters, and believe me, they're very talented, but there's a lot of people helping them out. Like, I mean, I have a spotter in football who's pointing to the numbers of, like, you know, who made tackles and if somebody recovered a fumble or anything like that. We've got a statistician feeding us stats and information of what's happening so we can read it off right on the air. we got our producer in our ear telling us, hey, hey, we saw this, or this is what they're looking at, you know, helping us in that regard. So I would have myself and the analyst and the staff person and our producer, and we're all in it together, you know. So, I mean, sometimes if I didn't know it, I'd look over like, you know, and then she'd, she'd say, oh, yeah, that's this, or we don't know, or we say we don't know, you know. And, and they go, oh, no, no, ball's over to the U.S., you know, or whatever, you know. And, and that's, that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, I don't like to, you're right, say like, well, that's definitely that, and it's not. I mean, it's tough, you know. It's kind of like football uh, with penalties. My real big, big pet peeve is not trying to guess the penalty. Everybody wants to do that. Oh, it's going to be a hold. It's going to be a hold. Like, well, you don't know. You don't know. You might have saw a hold, and then the ref might have called something else. Like, he might have messed it up, and then you just look bad. Like, all you can do is look bad. Like, all you can do is get it wrong. I mean, because you'll always get it right if you listen to the call and wait for the call, you know. Like, in that sport, you can. So why are we trying to depth and show people like, oh, we're cool. We, we knew it. We knew it ahead of time. We knew it quicker. Like, relax. It's like three more seconds, you know, and so what I do in that situation now is give what the potential scenario could be for either team. Like, well, if it's on so-and-so, it could be blah, 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 and back up. Or if so-and-so gets this penalty, they're going to have a first down here. And then just wait and see. And that way you're not, you know, if I have to do that to stretch out time, that's what I'll do. If not, I'll just wait for the call. You know, and sometimes with the Olympics, I think we have like a little bit of the audio and we could hear it, and, and that helps. You know, if you can hear the refs, so when they talk, um, they'd have, like, a review, and we could hear them, you know, so that was cool. So we just let them take it, and then go, oh, okay, this is what they're looking at. Um, but, yeah, it's a combination effort. you got to work with your analysts on that. And I try not to ask too many things or questions where they're not aware or ready for, and that's what we do when we're ahead of time. We're doing this the week before you, you told me you're doing the spring game down at Mississippi State, um, and obviously you did – more than a decade of Delaware football on radio. Uh, so what's the difference between, and what was the difference uh, in terms of m- the hardest difference, making the transition from doing football on radio uh, to doing football on television? Yeah, the biggest is, I mean, there's just, um, there's so much, um, you know, let me just see if I can phrase this right. Radio is just, it's all about description, you know, where the ball is, who's got it, and what yard line, and you're talking nonstop almost. I mean, you could have a few breaths, and you should, you know, to let people digest, but it's more about positioning, you know, so a lot of it's taken up with that kind of stuff. So um, the numbers you want to get in, or the stories you want to try to tell, or the research, or blah, 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 blah that has to take a back seat in a way because you don't have time for it. I mean, people need to know where the ball is, who's got the ball, what's the down distance, how much time's left, what's the score. I mean, you can never say the time and score too much. I don't think there's anybody that's ever listened to a radio game and <laughs> my opinion that says like, man, this guy always doing it telling us a time and score. It's like we know, we know. Stop telling us the time and score. Have you ever heard anybody say that? No. There normally is like, what's the time and what's the score? Like who the hell is playing, you know? Like, I mean that's usually what it is. It's never about like he's telling us too much. So you gotta you gotta do that a lot, you know. So when I got the TV, it was like, 
no, 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 no. We can see all this. We, we know, and it's been a real challenge um, over the years of deciding what needs to be said and what doesn't need to be said because you think you need to say it, but they can see it. So it's, it is. It's, it's a real challenge, which, I, which I'm excited about. I try to get better at each, each and every year. Um, but that's, that's the big thing because uh, you've got to back down. You've got to have other stories. You've got you to say other stuff. You've got to engage your analysts a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot more. Um, with TV uh, and with everybody that you're working with, you know, I mean, radio was like you were the you're in control. Yeah. You're the play-by-play guy, I and mean, you're the one saying everything what's happening and going to break and telling them what the heck's happening. You know, I mean, that's it's all you. TV producers telling you when to go to break. Yeah, hey, we're going to break seven, six, five, four, and you got to be out. <laughs> you know what he's at zero, and you know he's telling you, hey, we're going to this package, and then they're showing a replay and. You, you got to learn all that stuff. I mean, it's it's way more expensive, um, and then all the people in the truck, the graphics, and you know the the information, and everything that's coming from them. You know, it's uh, it's it's pretty intense. It's it's a total team effort, so it's a little bit different. How do you weave stories differently on television? Um, obviously, you've got a lot more time to do it, but you still also got to call the game uh, and finding the balance between those two, and then also, I mean, I feel like every. TV producer I've ever talked to always talks about laying out more. Uh, so, so right. finding the way to put those three on a scale and make it work. Yeah, that's um, it's interesting. I know I, I hear that a lot too, and I, I was very fortunate this year. I felt like in the college basketball games that I did, where uh, the crowd is great, and, and and that's when you're able to lay out a little bit more. I mean, it's you know, I'd love to see you feel sometimes like in the gym where there's 500 people there and there's no crowd and it's fixed and it's not a great game. It's tough, you know, to sit there and lay out, per se, because there's, there's nothing. I mean, when you're in a great game and crowd's awesome and all that kind of stuff, yeah, you can just, you should be laying out. Let them take over and let the pictures tell the story. You know, it's just it's just different, you know. It, it all depends. Um, and then the stories, you got to try to do, you know, as much, what you can when it's appropriate. Like, you may have all this stuff, but if it doesn't pertain or the guy doesn't do anything or it's not, you know, relevant. You, you might just not need to use it. I mean, you can't. You can't get everything in. That's that's I think what people think is it's their job to get all this stuff in and show everybody what they know and and well, this is the things you want to do. It's like, well, that's not the way the game when it played out. I mean, it dictates how you should call the game. Really. I mean, you have to think about it. If you're a basketball player or a football player team, how many times do you have to go into a game against somebody knowing that well we're not going to be able to run the ball as much today because they're going to be stacking eight people in the box so we're going to have to get our passing game down and our short passes you're going to have to adjust like normally that's not what you want to do you want to just run the ball down and throw but you're going to make some adjustments going in because you know that's not the type of game that's going to allow that to happen and if you do you're going to get your butt kicked so sitting there on TV it's like wow we got these great stories about all this stuff like hey listen guys. This team scores 85 points a game, and this team scores uh, 82 points a game. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here today? And I, I went into those type of games where this is exactly what happens. We have all the stuff, and we don't get a lot of it in because it's about the game, and that's what it should always be about. And it's like the game went so fast, and we didn't have a chance, and doesn't mean it's not a bad game, or you did a bad job, or you didn't have a good broadcast. No, like the people just want to see the game, you know? So, like, let it go. Like, let it be. Um, if you have time, you guys, with a free throw line, Taking his time, yeah, you give up a little story about where he's from or what he did, or you know, you talk to him before the game, and that's how you kind of weave that stuff in, in my opinion. So it's gotten better. I mean, it, this is a it's a long process. I mean, I, I'm excited, and you know, I I think this is a major challenge because I mean, I, I feel like I have a ways to go still, and you know, you do that, um, but that's how you learn, and that's how 
um, you put together a nice podcast, but you've got to adjust as well, depending on what happens in the game. You know what I mean? Playing off that a little bit, how much what what is the feedback system like for you at a place like ESPN in terms of what you hear from bosses or higher ups or producers, and then uh, what's your individual feedback system like? Uh, how much do you watch yourself back? What are you watching for? Uh, what are you looking for? And 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 uh, I mean, what's on your palette right now? If you were to pop in a tape and and watch yourself, even at this point, what still kind of grinds your gears? Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know. Because first off, it's so subjective, you know. That you know, one person may think you're great, or one person may think you know this, or one person thinks that. I mean, it's it, it's just you've got to you got to have thick skin. You got to give yourself a little bit of credit. You got to just you know. I mean, sometimes I, I get a little bit too on myself, or you know, and, and and it's not a good thing. I mean, you want to you're a little more relaxed and you know, more confident, you know. And I feel like I have been, but there's times where I'm like. You know, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's, you know, got a lot to work on. I mean, I, I've been working a lot on, like, voice inflection and um, not not yelling, like, you know, not being uh, excited is not louder or yelling or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's ways to be excited where you can change the tone and diction of your voice and words and pausing and being a little more slow and then ramping it back up. And, and I mean, that's been, that's been a crazy... Um, uh, transition for me in a, in a lot of ways. I've actually had a voice coach that I've been working with, and you know, getting advice from you know from ESPN, and then my friends who watch, and even my wife, you know, and, and she's been great. I mean, she's not a huge uh, sports person, but it's, it's actually good because I have enough of those people, you know, that know all about that. She's watching and listening for other stuff. She's like, Mike, I heard you say it's great, like you know, five times during the broadcast. I mean, she's right, you know, and everybody uses that. Great, great, great. I've made a concerted effort to get that out of my vocabulary as much and use other words because not everything's great. You know, we all want to say great. And now, instead of saying great maybe seven times a game, I always say it once or twice, you know. So, yeah. I mean, it's just a victory, you know, to me. So, it's like, wow, that's great. You know, now I, I just said it. But uh, <laughs> I, really, I really, you know, got that out of there a little bit. So, that's been helpful. Um, but those are things that you attack one or two things every time, even the on-camera stuff, you know, like, just how you're looking at the camera, how you're looking back to your printer, where my hands are, or whatever, all that's part of it. I mean, you don't think it is, but there's people that do that every day on a daily basis, you know. I mean, that, that's it's appearance, it's look. It's, so we've worked on that, you know. There's a lot of that. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, slowing down, making sure I'm getting enough, you know, the, not saying everything that happens, like we talked about. I'm like, you don't need to say that there. You can, you can ask a little bit more there. Let's think about what third down's going to be like and stop going back to what we just saw in second down, you know, like the Colonel sin, I feel like of every color guy or analyst, I should say, is that they just want to say what just happened and reiterate basically what you just said. You know, oh yeah, Mike right down the lane and lays it up and in. Like, no, you don't do that. So, there's just, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's, you know, um, but I'll watch my stuff back. I'll get advice. I get feedback. Sometimes I just don't. I let it go um, and then I'll go back to another game. But, you do too much of it, you can just drive yourself crazy. What do you do with a voice co- or, or with your voice coach that has been most beneficial? Um, well, she'll you know go with me and watch games back and watch certain things and how I set it, and then you okay. know we'll, we'll redo it, you know, and say, hey, let's let's do it this way instead. Or you know, she's looking for you know um, different ways and articulating things, and depending on the stories, or it's a somber story, or it's a you know it should be a more energy story, or you know that kind of stuff, and. Um, again, she's more of, you know, 
that's what I did, and I'm working with an overall kind of voice, you know, person who does other stuff with other people too. So she's not a huge sports person either. Um, but I'm also gaining the knowledge of what she means by this stuff, and then I'll apply it, you know, to the games. Um, but she's, you know, she's very helpful with it. But that's it. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we, we would practice stuff and read things, and you know, also warming up your voice, like these tongue twisters and stuff that she gives me, and other things that we need to, you know, work on. And you know, it's uh, it's been helpful. Voice lessons, too. Forgot to talk about that off the bat. Getting into voice lessons with Mike Corey. Something that somebody mentioned to me several years ago, and I I have taken voice lessons in my career. Uh, It's been one of those things we've talked about in the podcast uh, before. I've I've always been curious with people about how they sound like they sound and how long they've sounded like they sound and what kind of work they've done to sound like they sound. Uh, so it was cool to, to hear Mike Corey talk about that side of things as well. Also cool to talk about the fact that doing speed skating play-by-play is not, relatively speaking, all that difficult. You're just calling a race. You know, you, you look at it and go, speed skating, what's that? But if you bear it down, and, and, I, and I think that was what you kind of take away from all the different things that Mike has done. And he talked about the MMA as well. At the end of the day, call what you see. And there's a certain amount of preparation that goes into all of that. But when you call what you see and you don't try to make things overly complicated, you can do a lot of things in this industry. So it was interesting to hear Mike uh, dive into all of those things as well. Uh, Many thanks to Mike Corey for joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Corey Sports. Mike Corey, C O R E Y Sports. One other thing I want to throw out about Mike Corey as well. Uh, he did on ESPN this past fall, Ball State versus Indiana football. And he is the only guy in five years of broadcasting Ball State football and basketball on radio and television. And. I want to be careful how I word this because I've had conversations with other play-by-play guys. Uh, John Sadak and Dave Ryan, both guys who have been guests on the podcast. Uh, Joe Davis has been a guest on the podcast. Like We've had conversations in person when they've come to do games about Ball State. But Mike Corey's the first guy that's ever asked our SID for my phone number as the hometown radio voice the week of a game and then called me on like Tuesday before a Saturday game and said, Hey, what can you tell me as the guy who's around the team always? You know, we've had people talk about reaching out to beat writers and things of that nature. Uh, Mike is the guy, the the only guy that I've ever had actually reach out to me as a, as a, a local play-by-play guy and saying, Hey, you know, your team really well. You're a practice all the time. You know, I've got a certain level of trust with the players and the coaches. What can you tell me? What kind of stories are there that, that we could talk about on the broadcast that maybe are a little bit off the beaten path and that not everybody necessarily knows about, uh, but maybe are things that I've picked up or that we've talked about on our radio feed. And I just thought that was interesting. Different ways to prep. Uh, and I thought that, I mean, that's the first guy that, that has made that phone call that I haven't known previously first time that's happened so uh i thought that was cool and and i, I wanted to give mike kind of the the due props for that uh reaching out and, and something i know he's done with a whole host of other games that he's done and and he said at the time was something that he wanted to uh, he was trying to start doing more of as as part of his weekly preparation 
Uh, so that is Mike Corey here on episode 44. Episode 45 next week is going to be a ton of fun. Atlanta Hawks television voice Bob Rathbun will join us. Uh, he and I sat down at the Conrad Hotel downtown Indianapolis this week when the Hawks came in to play the Pacers on the back end of a back-to-back. So Bob was on short rest and had a lot of prep work to do and still uh, gives us more than an hour of content on the podcast next week. And uh, it's really, really fun. You're not going to want to miss Bob uh, next week back here on PXPCast. They are playing the marshmallow, though, so that is our go-home cue. We will talk to you next Friday morning. Until then, share us on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, share the posts if you enjoyed it. Help spread the word about what we've got going on here at Play by Play Cast. For Mike Corey, my name is Joel Gadet. Thanks so much for downloading and subscribing. We'll talk to you next Friday morning right back here. See you. Yeah.